Hi and welcome everyone to the 65th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Allenson and today's podcast will be about unified interface. And with me today I have Scott Duroux from DevelopOne. Scott is a Microsoft Business Solution MVP specializing in Dynamics 365. He is committed and passionate software architect and technologist. Scott is a regular speaker at conferences in the UK and abroad. His software career spans more than 20 years where he has moved from assembly language, device driver programming, industrial control software and then into enterprise business applications. Scott is author of the Ribbon Workbench for Dynamics CRM and 365. He's also principal author for Sparkle XRM, the open source rich client library for Dynamics CRM. He lives near Oxford in the UK with his wife Carrie and three children. Welcome Scott Rowe. Thank you, Marcus. Great intro. Good to be here. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Enjoying the uh, the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going on right now, actually. CRM is all about managing a customer relationship. So what is a good customer relationship to you? Yeah, I suppose that's probably what it all pivots around. I think that the the key thing for me is that we don't like to be sold to. One of, the, one of the principal parts of CRM, obviously, is about selling. But really, when anyone starts to talk to me, if they get cold calling or you get an email that's obviously selling something that you've not heard of before, um, then it kind of turns me off. Pretty sure it turns most people off. And so I think the, the, the relationship part of CRM is about forming that relationship before you even start to try and sell to people. And so I think increasingly it's about trying to use technology to allow us to get to know our customers and get to know our, their needs and um, what, what they're after, what the problems they've had in the past um, and what their connections are to other people, maybe other people that are already customers of ours. So, yeah, I, I think relationship is about getting to know people before you start to sell. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure it does. Who are your customer? Well, my customers, um, well, the great thing about CRM is that it's such a, a widespread technology industry uh, spread into so many different verticals, uh, different types of businesses. Um, and so the great the thing I love about my job is that I get to work with so many different types of businesses, different types of people in different parts of the world. And so I've done a lot of work for, for not-for-profit not companies, uh, which is very rewarding, as well as things like for the financial services, banking, insurance, um, uh, real estate. You know, it, it, CRM is really applicable to everyone. And especially now where we've got this more of this XRM power apps combination going on, I think we're going to see even more applicable applicability to different types of industries. Uh, but I, t I tend to engage with the, the technical department, so the technical decision makers, as well as uh, maybe IT departments that are about to embark on a CRM project, as well as those of already using CRM or Dynamics 365, and they're trying to upgrade to the latest version. And so... I get to be involved with those kind of green brownfield type projects as well as the the more established and upgrades. So I think in answer to your question, um, lots and lots of different types of people are my customers. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I'm really lucky to be able to to have such a, a rich variety of people that I work with. You touched on a little bit on the next question here, though. So what is it that you do? Well, yes. Um, well, my job title is Solution Architect. And and that's one of those phrases that pretty much can mean anything to anybody. Um, if, if, well, if my mum asks me what I, what I do and I say Solution Architect, she's none the wiser. But um, I, it, for me, it's really about trying to bridge the gap between business engagement and technology engagement whereas an architect in the building industry will take requirement of their client in terms of their vision what they want a particular building or or a group of buildings or development to perform and and then really take that vision and move that vision into a place that that can actually be built um, and that's i think if if the thing is i enjoy the most it's it's doing that is is understanding a vision and trying to grasp what is the essence of something that uh, an organization is trying to achieve, be it in improving a particular process all the way to completely digitally transforming their business into a completely different way of working uh, and, and trying to work out a way of actually using the technology to get the maximum value out of it to realize that that particular vision. But also looking at other things like, you know, sustainability and uh, maintainability. Uh, so, yeah, that, that the solution architect, I think, is, is quite similar to a building architect in in that in that sense. We're customers all the time. What is your last memorable customer experience? Yes, memorable. I think, and we were chatting earlier about this, weren't we? In the sense that memorable, quite often these days, tends to be negative experiences. Um, I think certainly the negative experiences stick in your mind, whereas actually I think we have a lot of positive experiences as customers. But the things we tend to talk about are the things that didn't go so well. So I tried to hold on to the positive experiences I have as customers. And the thing that really sticks in my mind the most is something that happened about four years ago when I was um, on holiday with the, the family at Disney in Florida. And I was waiting for a one of the monorail to come and I was getting a bit flustered because I thought we were in the wrong station and we were going in the wrong direction to get to the, I think we were going to the Magic Kingdom or somewhere. And I was saying, you sure this is right? Am I talking to the kids and my wife? And, you know, we didn't really know, but we got on anyway and doors closed and we were committed to going off in that direction. And then over the tannoy, somebody said, uh, it's okay, Scott, you're on the right train. Uh, so they'd obviously overheard what I was talking about and, and they just kind of put us at ease. So, uh, you know, that, that, um, an understanding and an involvement in our experience was uh, really stuck in my mind, and I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about being having good a good relationship with your customers is really about getting to know them, and, and that person really took it to the extreme. Um, well, whether, whether or not they were eavesdropping on me, I'm not sure, but <laughs> it, was, it was certainly a good experience for me. They felt your anxiety and tried to alleviate some of us. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, actually, I think Disney do it very well across the board. I think that that kind of understanding of who their customers are and trying to, like you say, you know, alleviate anxiety or, or try and make something the bit to the best experience it possibly can do. And we're seeing that the thing is the experience, the expectation of the experiences now are so great. So when we interact with a, a particular supplier or some if we've bought a product and it's defective we go onto twitter and we say hey look you know my widget doesn't work and we expect an immediate response and we expect someone to be there 24 7 pretty much to be able to solve it and so the expectation is high and 
matching that expectation is very difficult. And I think that's where digital transformation comes in. It allows organizations to match that expectation without having to have literally hundreds of people sitting on Twitter all the time. If we move to unified interface, what is the unified interface? Yeah, wow. Yes, that's um, a big jump, you know, going from Disney to the unified interface. Uh, well, I'd like to say I'm as I'd like to say that I'm as excited about the unified uh, unified interface that I am about Disney. Um, so the unified user interface, as it seems to be called, so the UUI in the documents is also called the unified client interface, the UCI. I tend to call it the UCI um, because that's what it was sort of called from the outset. But uh, it is a reimagining of the user interface that Dynamics 365 for customer engagement has. And more recently, it's something even more special than that in that it's re been rebranded under the Power Apps brand. So now if you go to powerapps.com, you'll see the old Canvas apps, but you'll then see model-driven apps. And the model-driven apps are, in fact, the unified user interface of Dynamics. So what they've done is they've taken away all of that first-party CRM piece, so the service and the sales, and they've created a platform which is based on the unified user interface, which uh, allows you to kind of build XRM applications in, in a, a model-driven way. So I, the, the way that we've always been doing in the CRM world, you know, you create your entity and that creates all your forms and your, your views as opposed to the Power Apps Canvas apps where it's about dragging and dropping buttons and fields onto a canvas and creating screens that move between. So, you know, you're, you're starting your Canvas app from the screen, uh, whereas you're starting your model-driven app from the model, hence its name. Um, and so the unified user interface has, has been completely rethought about what is it that we expect from a user interface. And I think the key design goal has been about making it work on cross devices, cross formats. So you can use the unified user interface, or let's just call it the UCI from now on. I'm fed up of saying it. So the UCI for, on your phone. So if you use your mobile app for Dynamics, that's running the UCI, as well as the app for Outlook, that's also using the UCI. And then you've got your apps that sit within the, the web browser. Um, and so we differentiate the UCI from the old style user interface. The old web UI is now called the classic UI. Uh, so if you open up the UCI, you have, there is actually a link that can take you back to the classic UI. Um, and I think what's special about it uh, is that it coexists alongside that classic UI. I think gone are the days where certainly software as a service vendors can completely change their platform without doing this side by side. I mean, we're all we're quite used to it now where you you know you get a beta user interface. So you know Azure have done it and the Office 365 user interface, but lots of different other SaaS platforms, you know, you'll log in and it'll say, do you fancy using our new beta user interface? And so you can go over to use the new experience. But if you didn't like it, you can give your feedback and you can swap back again. So you know the, the version nine, we've got this ability to use the classic user interface and the UCI alongside it. And the other great thing is, is it doesn't actually have to be, you don't have to use the UCI for everyone. So you could nominate certain individuals even, or groups of individuals, teams, to use the UCI for a specific purpose, and then you use the classic UI for everything else. Uh, or it could even be job function based. So you might imagine the situation where 
they're using the classic web UI to do, you know, the, the standard stuff and setting up records, but then they might go out on a, a visit to a client and they use the UCI on the mobile app, um, or they might have a, uh, a tablet, you know, iPad or something, and they might use the, a UCI app to do a specific function, you know, and, and so it's very much about creating these apps, which are dedicated to a particular purpose. So, so there is a real big shift in the way that the classic UI works com- compared to the unified U- the UCI in that the UCI is much more intended to be app focused rather than the classic web UI would just be like one monolithic sitemap where you have to do everything in one place. And that means you're going to get lots of buttons everywhere, lots of views that may be not particularly relevant or dashboards that are not relevant to you. And so, yeah, it, it's a really exciting departure from this, this old style of building um, our user interfaces. So you touched it on it a little bit, but this unified interface or UCI, it, when did it arrive in CRM? Well, it's um, version nine is the version that was the first version that actually um, we saw the UCI in. But we have been seeing um, their kind of Microsoft, the product team's development of the new UI and experimenting with different things. So, you know, you've heard of the interactive service hub, yeah, um, and the Mocha user interface on the mobile. You know, these are these were all early uh, attempts at this new paradigm of a user interface. And, and I think what's great about it is they learned a lot from that. So we we all know about the when you start up the mobile client or the Mocha on a, on a tablet, you get that screen saying, please wait while we download all your customizations. And it takes a very long time. And every time you make a change to your customizations, it then forces the next person to log on to kind of do that download. And it can be very tedious, especially if you're in a low bandwidth connection. And I mean, I found users would just stop using it because it was just... Um, quite a quite a pain. So, and they they learned from that experience. And now the UCI doesn't do any of that. So it downloads the the customizations as it needs it, and it's very very quick and very very responsive. Um, but you know, the, a lot of the the layouts, the forms, uh, well, you could see the the similarities in the sense that the Mocha, the mobile app, tablet app has got tabs rather than just sections as we have in the classic UI, and and the UCI indeed has got tabs as well. So. You see a lot of similarities. Now, in version 9, what's happened is the interactive service hub is, is now gone. And in, in its place is the customer service hub. And so the customer service hub does the same, serves the same purpose in the sense it allows you to author knowledge base articles and you have your case management and things like that. Um, and so anybody that's using the interactive service hub in 8.2 at the moment will see a brand new user interface when they start using what what is effectively the same area in the application. However, that is now built on the UCI. Um, but it, you know, so we, we did have a bit of a false start with, you know, we had the, the, the spring release and, and the full release. And then it was just, you know, we dropped that kind of notion of the link to a particular time frame, and it just called version nine. Um, but it, you know, it does, it does certainly feel as though it is a transitional stage because whilst it's it's fantastic and it certainly fulfills all the functionality that you had with the uh, interactive service hub and you can do everything you could do in the interactive service hub in the customer service hub using the UCI there are some pieces of functionality that are perhaps missing in in the UCI that you would expect to be there in the classic web UI in the sense that you know you've got you don't have the ability to do advanced find and, and some of the filtering save views 
that you might you might use in the classic web UI aren't there. So it, it, it is very much this sort of transitional uh, stage where Microsoft, the product team, have, have released it, allowing us to use it in this app by app basis uh, for particular functions where the lack of, of advanced find or user filters is not going to be a problem. Um, and I think that's the key is that is that as it's being introduced in version nine, it's not intended to be a like-for-like like replacement uh, of the classic web, web UI. A lot of people have sort of seen that as um, a, a, maybe a, a, a downside of the UCI, but I, I don't see it as a downside. I, I see it as the UCI is a transitional version. And if we need advanced find, then perhaps using the UCI for that particular purpose is 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 not the right use. But considering apps are very tailored for a specific purpose, what I'm finding is that actually the need for advanced find goes away. Okay, you've still got administra administrators that need to do that kind of stuff and they can carry on using the classic UI. Okay, so, um, so they can use the classic UI, but when the app is built, you make sure that the views and the dashboards and the forms that you have there are all tailored for that specific app purpose. And so the need to create your own views and advance find just isn't there as much. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. If I have the working with the apps in the version 8, then those apps will be upgraded to the new user interface when I upgrade to version 9, then that's where it will be available. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a very good question. So yeah, the app modules, which you include in solutions um, in version 8.2, they were all based on the, the classic web UI. Um, and so with version 9, there is now two types of app. So we've got the web apps, but we've now got this new unified app which is effectively what I was saying earlier about the model-driven apps, the power apps. And when you upgrade to version 9, they don't automatically get switched over to a unified app. But if we go and edit the app, we can actually change the user interface that it will adopt. So you can make this assessment based on the apps that you have in 8.2. Well, do is there some functionality in there that actually we can move it over to use the unified interface. And like I said, you know, I'm finding because of this paradigm of using apps is much more focused on the task in hand, I'm finding less need for some of those other features that um, that are not currently available. So yeah, you can upgrade and then you can choose on an app-by-app -app basis whether or not you want to use the web or the unified user interface. And I think it's a little bit fun that the tabs is back. It's like the... CRM version 4 is going to revisit <laughs> us in just a small little place there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, they all say, you know, that there's nothing new. It all just comes around. It just goes around in circles. <laughs> we go back and forth. Um, I mean, I like the tabs. I think they're, they're really, they're really great. They're very responsive um, in that the, the user interface doesn't load the controls on the tabs until they're actually clicked on. So you get a lot faster load times for your forms um, and you can also use that tabs also has this additional function where you can select a, a related record and it creates like a, a temporary tab for that particular related record set so you can then flip between maybe you know your um, related contacts and your account information and things like that um, so yeah you know that that might introduce some opportunities to reassess perhaps look at your form layouts uh, when they get start being used in the UCI, 
Um, one of the most common ones, actually, as I found, is that, uh, you know, when you have a classic web UI where you've got uh, maybe some, you know, columns with your fields, and then you have a tab section, which is spans two columns, which then shows you a grid. So you get the grid spanning the whole width, and then made maybe two columns of fields. And that's quite a common scenario. And a lot of the time we, we, we use, we do that by creating a tab. But of course, when you start to have tabs actually being tabs, that notion doesn't really work anymore because uh, it just becomes a separate tab. So, you know, th there may be some opportunities to, to look at your forms um, and, and reorder them. But again, because we an app is a sort of cherry picking and it's a slice through our customizations, we can even have a different form for a UCI app if we wanted to. So we could just create a copy of that and put that form only in that UCI so it wouldn't be seen in other areas in the classic um, UI. I mean, actually, it even allows you to have different quick creates as well. Um, because, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've come across this where you can only have one quick create, right? And and that, that could cause problems because the form, the quick create form for one part of the organization, maybe for contact, it's used everywhere, is not quite the same for, for somewhere else. Whereas by creating an app, you can then say, well, actually use this quick create form in this app and a different quick create in a different app. So, you know, th there's lots of opportunities to, to try and tailor things a lot closer to the, the task at hand. So what would you say are the greatest benefits that we gain with the new user interface here then? I think consistency, uh, that's for me, that's the biggest gain here because um, in the past where we had the mobile app a tablet app and the app for outlook and then obviously the web ui they're all different user interfaces and that really tends to confuse people because you know even maybe the, the layouts aren't that different it's still an unfamiliar environment that they had to learn whereas because the uci is spanning all of the different clients and formats and it's responsive so it's going to respond to the amount of space available so when you when it's running inside outlook it, it reflows to to um, to really work perfectly in that kind of space available compared to the, a full tablet or, or laptop, um, but you still get the feeling of familiarity and 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 everything still that the same user interface paradigms are there. So using the ellipses for uh, commanding and 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 the way in which the the grids work is is all very familiar. So I think you know that 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 familiarity and consistency is um, is probably one of the key advantages. Um, and, and secondly, the, the the performance of it and the, the, how snappy it is, it's, it's a much more uh, responsive UI. It's, it's, it's built around everything being asynchronous in the browser. So it's a much more modern user interface. There's less thread blocking going on. Uh, and so you do get a feeling that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot more responsive when you're, when you're moving around. And I think, I think users, it's often, we often overlook that we often overlook the user interface in especially in business applications you know we focus on what the functionality and we focus on being able to get the job done we don't focus on being able to get the job done in a way that's actually going to delight and please users and that's a kind of an afterthought which is quite the opposite to consumer apps you know where consumer apps actually the user interface is the, is the thing that's going to sell that particular app or that particular web um, application um, compared to it may, may have less functionality than competitors but if it looks beautiful and it's easy to use then it's going to be more successful so you know, th I think these this shift in the way we think about things is is one of the uh, the big advantages for me and and, and it kind of takes something to break free from and this 
uh, maybe this rut that we've been stuck in with the web client because there's been a lot of improvements trying to make it more responsive you know we had we saw turbo forms back in the day and we and we've, we've we've had all the best practices about trying to lay it out in a way which is going to be accessible and and things like that but you know it, it takes us something brand new like this that's had such an investment and they've been working on this for a very long time the product team have kept very quiet about it and so this is really the culmination of quite a lot of work um and and so you know that's why we're seeing now under the power apps brand you know that that is a big deal it's no longer just business solutions it's it's no longer this this world that we're living in which is solely to do with dynamic 365 customer engagement it's it's opening it out to that whole power user community low code no code and and i think for me that means it's really going to get a lot more attention than we've seen in the past the scalability of the web version you sh if you just scale down the browser you should get a a feel for how it looks in the app for it's actually the same thing that you're looking at once you just throw it down to a lot smaller window then yes exactly um and and if you've ha if you've had to build uh any forms for the the old mocha client you'll know how painful that is to try and preview it i mean yes we had a preview button in the form designer but that took just as long as it did to open up the app and download the customizations whereas what we can see now is we can just re resize the browser and we can see how our form looks on the mobile there are some minor differences like the navigation bar goes down to the bottom on a mobile um but broadly it's the same experience and things like the navigation uh, the, the the actual site map will uh, go into a hamburger menu and so you can get all of that reflow all of that uh, adaptive ui just by like you say resizing the browser to test it um and you know, we've had this notion of configure once deploy everywhere for a very long time it's it's been a mantra that's been part of that dynamics story for for a long time you know all the way back to the xrm days when that, when that was being pushed in in 2011 um but i think with the ucr we're starting to get there we're starting to get that that point where we can really truly create our application in a metadata fashion and then rely on the platform to then make that work in different devices and different formats what parts of the actual interface then do you like about this i mean the old one was pretty white if you look at like version 8 and now it has a little bit more colors and, and grids uh, and and frames do you, do you like that part or how do you feel about that well yeah i think the web refresh that we've got on the classic ui in version 9 definitely solves some of the challenges that people were talking about with the 8.2 UI in the sense of, you know, as you said, there's lots of white space and um, there's not very many visual cues as to what you're looking at. So if you don't have fields being filled out with data, you, you literally are just looking at white with some dashes and that's that's not giving the brain much information on what is being you're being presented with. So in the web refresh, which is effectively the same web UI as the 8.2, not, not many changes, but just a little bit of it's almost CSS, really. It's style. It's a lick of paint on it. Um, it does it does address some of those issues? But with the UCI, it, it just takes it to the next level. And you you look at a form and you immediately know what you're looking at. You can see tabs. You can see fields. You can see sections. You can see buttons. You can see where there are ellipses to drop down further actions. And so yeah, it it, it really does make the the user and well certainly I'm I, speaking to myself here. You know because. That when I first saw the UCI, that I just got really excited by it because all of the challenges that we've had, and almost like you have to talk about the web 
in a in a the web UI in a sort of slightly apologetic fashion. You're like, well, yeah, I know it's got lots of white space, but you'll get used to it. Whereas now we don't need to be apologetic about it. Uh, it, it you know, it really presents itself very well. And but there are a lot of um, other ad- advantages in the sense that with the web UI, when we, we when the refresh came in 2013 we lost the ability to have for example command buttons or ribbon buttons as it was on subgrids and 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 so we've now got that ability back so we can actually run a command on a subgrid record or on a group of subgrid record right from the, the form subgrid uh, and, and even better we can actually run commands directly on a record without having to select it on the command bar so there's like ellipses next to the actual record in the the grid and you can click on that ellipses and you can see everything that you can perform on that and that introduces some interesting use cases that we would never really seen before especially when combined with a new type of dashboard which is called the interactive dashboard in that the interactive dashboard presents you with uh, a a set of views which are called streams and you can then you can visually filter those views in the same way as you might visually filter a Power BI dashboard, you know you can select a particular segment in a pie chart or a line uh, or um, a bar graph, and that will then filter down your your records just to show the records that that are filtered for that specific segment. And and so and then you can start to perform actions directly from inside your dashboard. So with that in combination with the app, making an app for a specific purpose, it's almost like well. You could you can imagine you've got your tablet or your phone. You just start with a dashboard, and then it presents everything you need to do to that for that particular task. You've got the ability to to drill into your your records, but then perform ribbon button actions on that particular record directly without having to move into the record. Because you know that, that was one of the challenges with the old UI. A lot of you'd pop up new windows, or if you did. Um, open up a new record it would be quite difficult sometimes to get back to the previous record um incidentally <laughs> the back button works in the uci which is a big big deal so if i do pop if i do open up another record i can click back and it will take me to the back to the previous record uh, i can hear the round of applause yeah and and it is it is a little bit silly but it's still really good i mean the back button is such an easy win that it's important to have it there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's an expectation, and that's that's the thing. You know, we we shouldn't have to apologize and and make explanations why something can't meet somebody's expectations. It it should just be uh, meeting their expectations from right from the off. Um, and and actually having something they don't need to necessarily have lots and lots of training. Uh, and again, that goes back to this idea of creating specific function apps. Is that we're all used to using apps on our phone. You know, you're presented with an app and you click on the app and it does a particular purpose and then you close it. I think that's the same mentality I think that users are wanting in, in you know when they're doing uh, business functions. So what do you think about the new navigation? That's if you look at the the mobile or sorry, the, the desktop version here, the navigation is on the left now and it was on the top on the was it the last time it was left? Was it 2011? And then it's been on top <laughs> since 13, yes. 15, 2016. 
<laughs> and now it's back to the left again. So what do you think about that then? It's another one of those things you're saying about the tabs, you know, we go back again. Um, well, yeah, I, I think it's great because it, it's really matching what the norm is now in all applications we see. The hamburger menu is a, is a, a paradigm that we're used to. It's that the pull-down menus that we had in 2013 when it was first introduced seemed a bit strange but it was i think it was the notion of tiles that that was where it was that's where it came from um i you know that that was back in the 8.2 windows 8 point or windows 8 days you know it was all about tiles that was that was the new thing so of course they tried to introduce tiles and yeah it was not successful i don't think very well to start off with but you know over time when they introduced the 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 more um uh, compact views when you pull down to see the the links uh, rather than having to scroll right to the right hand side and you know, it worked pretty well but people's expectations now is to have a hamburger menu which you can just uh, you can see everything on the left hand side and, and drill into that way so uh, I, I think it works really well uh, and one of the other great things i like about it is the fact that when you look at your sections and you see a particular entity record it's um, not only are you looking at a sitemap that's specific to your app so you're not seeing a sitemap that spans everything which is one of the problems with the, the, the monolithic UI from the web client, uh, you you start to see things that just for, for what you need. And then when you expand it, you can start to see your most recently used records. So you, you can even drill directly into individual records from your sitemap, which again is something we, we, sh we used to have, right? So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, retro. Yeah. <laughs> so they're introducing a a new control here that the timeline control so what's that yeah it, i suppose it's not really new in the sense that we've had that timeline uh, social tab or whatever you want to call it, activity tab it's had many names throughout the, the, the years uh, but the aim of that was to show you uh, a single place where you could get an impression for what's going on with that particular account or contact or, or whatever record it's on you can get an overview and and the key thing is is that you can scroll down in uh, in chronological order and see things as they've happened in the past. But the challenge we've always had is that the the tab control was very much about tabs. You had you had a tab for notes, you had a tab for activities, um, you had a tab for posts, um, the relationship assistant. And so it, it did sort of devalue that historical timeline in the sense that you only got a, a slice through it for a particular. And what the timeline now tries to do is it shows you a single timeline across uh, all your record types, you'll see all the things that are happening in one one um, place. But what's I think the big change about it is that it introduce, introduces a very similar notion to that I was just describing earlier in the interactive dashboards where you get a visual set of filters. And so you can quickly at a glance see the proportion of activity types you have or by status. And then you can select and you can drill down by clicking on the pie chart and it will then filter your timeline only to show that particular status or that particular type of activity. Uh, and then you can, you know, further filter it using other drop down. Uh, but, you know, it, it just becomes a, a place where you can, you can actually see data without moving away from the record. Uh, and so it's, it's much more around this single page application paradigm. And, and in the same way as I was describing with the interactive dashboards, you can actually perform actions on records as well. So you can, you get ellipses and you can, you can actually run command buttons on, on a record directly from the timeline. So it really, it becomes a, a, a central focus point of your record. 
Uh, there's also a really neat feature, which you know, might seem little, but it, I, I really like it, is that if you go back to a record after viewing it, say, a couple of days ago, it, it shows you the number of new things that were there have been created since the last time you saw that record, which I think is really quite neat. So it might say, oh, well, there's two new posts. And um, and again, you know, these things that are no-brainers. We've been used to them in Facebook and, and Twitter and LinkedIn for so long. So it's trying to meet the expectations that we have from consumer apps in that business app world. It comes to the, those easy wins that we were talking about earlier and that I was thinking about that, well, I try to focus at least some of my time on the forms because they are such easy wins. They are so quick to do and so quickly to change so you can try things out, get them to publish and try them out on a couple of people and they don't like it, you can draw it back, change it back. And I mean this sort of quick feedback loop, I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, great. That's 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 brilliant because you know, as you say, yeah, you can you can try it out and if it doesn't work, you can move forward. It's no no big deal. It's just moving things things around. I mean, especially with with DevOps and having uh, a very repeatable route to production without any risks of, you know, things getting in there that you don't want to. So, you know, if you've got that DevOps cycle, then yeah, make make changes as as uh, as quickly and as, as regularly as possible so you can as you say get those quick wins in. And with CRM online, it's virtually no operations. It's like, well, you have the system views and or sorry, the the activities, the asynchronous uh, views and all of that part. But that's not really like the operations part of CRM. I think it like, well, if you're the the uh, the admin of it, then then you're the operations mm. part of CRM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the data valid? Is it good entries? Those part of the CRM is more of the operations part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we're trying to move into the product team. We're trying to move to a place where it is this low code, no code mentality. And I think one of the big challenges we have at the moment is how do we, on one hand, have citizen developers it's you know that's a quite a, a common um phrase i don't particularly like citizen development developers because it's almost like a condescending term in certain groups of people um i, I think we're all citizen developers because we're all working within frameworks we're all de- we're all working in a platform we're not programming things from from you know machine code upwards we all have constraints to work within and 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 we're already working at a very high level i mean even c sharp is a very high level language compared to some others so um the notion of citizen developers i think is a, is a relative term uh, so yeah I, I, t- I try not to use it um but the, the the fact is that if we if we're moving to a low code no code environment then what we're saying is is, is the code is the configuration and the configuration means that we're going to have less opportunities for any platform issues to creep in, like JavaScript errors or or plugin errors. You know, we we have that confidence that we we can release things quicker because the opportunities to get things wrong and shoot things through a thousand in the foot is is a lot lower than if we were writing plugins and JavaScript. So, um, on one hand, we've got this notion that we want to be able to do things quickly as you describe and quickly iterate and create business rules and create validation and 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 flows and things like that. on the other hand we do need to still make sure that we have a, a mature devops cycle to make sure that we manage versioning 
um, and we've, we have different environments and we don't just simply do things directly into production because of obviously the inherent risks that, that there might be there. Uh, so yeah, we, we are in an interesting transitional period, especially with power apps to try and how do we build in DevOps in and com- continuous integration, continuous uh, deployment uh, and testability to the platform whilst also making inroads into this no-code, low-code ease of configuration. And I think it's something that Azure have done very well because Azure have created a a way of building code, but building code in a very managed way and deploying it into so the the notion of serverless and and having DevOps built into your serverless environment such that you can very quickly move things and promote things from one environment to another. And that's why it's so excited about the Power Apps uh, umbrella is that, that that's that's their very that's their modus operandi. They need to be able to create a platform and an environment that allows you to easily build solutions, but that also maintain them in terms of versioning and pushing them between different environments. But we're very it's a very exciting time. Yeah, and I like the old term better that they we call them power users. I mean, it was these users that could do more stuff than the regular users could so i like that term a little bit better than citizen developer because it's a little bit demeaning so are there any drawbacks with this uh, user uh, this unified interface then well i i think you've probably gathered by now i'm bound to say no <laughs> but no i think you know when when we talk about drawbacks, you can only talk about things in a specific context. So if there is an organization, and I was talking to somebody at one of the recent uh, CRMUG meetings, and they were specifically talking about the lack of advanced find, and they're saying, well, you know, all our users use advanced find all the time. And that's basically what they do everything through. Um, if obviously, if that's your organization, and that's the way it's being, it's grown up, and it's matured, and that's the way that users use dynamics then obviously the the uci is probably not going to be uh there is going to be a drawback there but i think you have to think about it from a different perspective you have to think about it as a uh, how do we transition transition into a more app focused way of working and a more tailored uh, way of working and so i would you know say well okay maybe it's not going to be a a like for like replacement but but there is an opportunity there to, to look at what what is being done by users and and say well how can we optimize this and make it better for the user. Uh, so yeah, there, there's obviously, as I said, you know, there's a, it's a transitional uh, phase and there are missing features, but I think the product team have done a very good job of picking the features not to invest in at this stage where they're less important when you're looking at, uh, at user interfaces that the UCI is very good at. Um, because ultimately you know, we, we've been, we've had this classic web UI for so long and it's got so many different features in there and so many different uh, cool things that you can do squirreled away but in a sense that's that's actually a drawback in itself because it does create a very complicated user interface and you know you've probably found it yourself users tend to say that oh it's very complicated I don't know how to use it because there's too many buttons so yeah every everything you can say there is always drawback but I think it's it's about looking at an opportunity for changing the way that people use use uh, the system rather than a like-for-like replacement. Yeah, and I like that, that we're sort of trying new things here. And the, the, the point that you had earlier, I mean, it's not that they're scrapping all of the old. It's like, it's side by side. Yeah. 
you can try the app and if, if it doesn't work for certain cases, perhaps corner cases there where you have to create your own personal use, then go back, use that once fine, save it, then it is in the unified interface again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, and I dare say we will eventually get to a place where you know there is almost like a full parity between the two. Um, with the exception, of course, of some of the deprecated things, because so probably the elephant in the room is dialogues. The dialogues have been deprecated, and I I don't know. I, I suspect they'll never be implemented in the unified user interface because you know why why would they invest in something that's been deprecated? Obviously, you know we've seen reversals of those decisions in the past, so it's quite you know I, I could could quite easily imagine them undeprecating something, but you know at this stage. I think it's about the the dialogues don't really fit with that single page paradigm of user interface. You know, the dialogues pop up and you do something that's very modal and then you finish it. Whereas that doesn't really fit with a, a modern app approach. You would never get that on an app on your iPhone, for example. There will always be the soft dismiss mentality and you can just go, you know, back and forth and go to different areas of the application without being locked into one particular place. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, the reason that we use a dialogue is to create a very tailored step-by-step driven process. But what I find fascinating is that now we're under the Power Apps brand, we've got Canvas apps. And, and so that, in a sense, that's what that does, isn't it? It, it creates a very tailored user interface with screens that we can step through. Um, and so, you know, m- maybe it's an opportunity to say, well, rather than using dialogues, we can say, well, maybe we need a power app, Canvas app to do at that particular purpose. And the business process enhancements that we've gotten and the business process flow and all of that that wasn't available to us when the dialogue was introduced, then that is sort of a part of that where you have a more long-running process. So, so I think both of them combined does a good job of uh, covering up for the dialogues. Yeah, indeed. I think there's always opportunities for using constructs in the UI to, to remove the need for that pop-up. Uh, but it's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be people that will look at it from a like-for-like basis. You know, they'll say, well, I can't use the unified user interface because it doesn't do what the web client does. And I think that's what we need to somehow step out a little bit and you know, I understand that organizations have quite often got um, budget constraints and time constraints and things like that. And and I think that's why that we have the classic UI. And it's it's called classic, I think, because, well, I hope anyway, that it's not called legacy. And legacy in, implies it's, it's old and we don't, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be used. I think the, the, the classic, the word classic implies that Perhaps it, you know, it, it's something that is always going to be a safety net in net, net in the medium term, um, so that we're not forced to to move away from it just yet. And you made a blog post here some time ago about how to add the add a command button to the unified interface, and and your example was let's let's say that you want the advanced find button and. And you use the ribbon workbench to to get it back. Yeah, it was a bit of a joke, really, because I was, <laughs> I don't know if I say in my blog post, I can't remember, but uh, I was sort of mildly fed up with people complaining about advanced find not being there. Um, and it was just a convenient way of demonstrating how you can now add in command buttons to that top area. Uh, the global area at the top of the, the unified user interface. Uh, and that was a big ask back in the web, the classic web UI 
uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to add buttons up there, which you couldn't, of course. So, uh, yeah, it was a good opportunity to, to, to flex the UCI muscles and, and show that we could do it. But of course it is a, it's a, it's a stopgap in the sense that it, it doesn't work in the mobile client. It doesn't work in the app for outlook. It only works in the web client because of course it relies on the browser working with the advanced find, which, uh, the user interface is still very much in the 2013, well, I know the 2011 days, isn't it? It's still back with the ribbon and everything. Yeah. I just enjoyed that sort of a little bit of a, a fun that you had there with the example. So. Uh, thank you for that. So we talked a little bit about dialogues here and that they're deprecated. Are there any f other things that are deprecated now? Um, well, there is a, uh, a what's new developer page in the SDK, which you can go to, which does give you a complete list of all the things that, uh, that are changing. Um, and indeed, actually, there's the, the UCI page does give you a description of all the things that are missing from uh, the current UCI compared to the web UI. So there's docs.microsoft.com is the, is the new place for all the, the SDK information, um, which is a fantastic and a continually changing as well. So that's that's like, if you like, the, the golden source for all the information. But I think one of the notable things is that um, although there are some mentions of deprecations in version nine, such as xrm.page, is one of probably one of the biggest ones. Uh, it, it is it is a deprecation, so it's not like it's going to break in V nine. It's more of a indication that we need to start looking at um, a roadmap on our applications to start moving to a different way of working. So um, I've, I've doing I'm in the mid process of a third upgrade to um, V nine at the moment, and there there hasn't been anything that's actually broken. Uh, so as long as all your code is supported. It, it will all work in version nine compared to 8.2. But certainly um, check out the, 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 the what's changing in docs.microsoft.com uh, and, and start to sort of make some plans for your roadmap so you can um, take action on those points. Uh, so just a short list here, like Silverlight is deprecated and that's pretty good actually. And some other things, I mean, mail merge, doesn't really been used in a long time announcement that's also some old features that they introduced so you could put up global announcements within crm and dialogues that we've been through here and, and there were other things yeah. in that list there so yeah, I, I i will add a link to the show notes. okay great and as far as the um the thing that probably is biggest change that you will need to action is the tls 1.2 change which means that if you have any old SDK code that's um, using the um, 8.2 versions of the SDK, you'll need to upgrade those to the V9 and compile against the uh, 4.6.2 version of the .NET framework so that it can com connect using TLS 1.2. Um, you don't need to make any code changes. It's just literally a recompile against that latest SDK version to, to continue um, connecting. But that's only external stuff. So anything that's running inside context of Dynamics, like workflow activities or uh, plugins and uh, JavaScript that you don't need to make any code changes to those. Uh, and problems that can arise there if you don't own the code and you have to get some other part or third party to do that and they're retired it or something. And that's, I mean, there's a legacy system that you're integrating with and you bought some component and they're not longer working on that. So there can be issues and you just have to be aware that, that you have those. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's worthwhile building that kind of stuff into every every project that you work on, trying to, and I mentioned it right at the beginning about maintainability and sustainability, trying to have a development process that doesn't sort of just have a fire and forget implementation that you, you do plan for the for upgrades in the future. And so having access to the code and be it through something uh, like escrow or, or, or even having the code in your own uh, source repository, I think it's really important you know, because it, especially with online implementations, you know, we are getting into a, 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 a cadence where things are being rolled out more frequently and you do have to take those updates uh, reasonably frequently. At the moment. I think it's having one update a year at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's it's important to build into your development processes a, a way of managing those upgrades in the future. Do you have any public speaking or anything else that we can find you? Well, uh, I've, the last I was at Serum EG in Dublin, which was a, an awesome, um, an awesome uh, week it was. Um, I'm next going to be at CRMUG in July in London. Um, so if anyone is in the UK listening and they haven't been to a CRMUG, I highly recommend it. It's a great environment. Uh, so many like-minded people and you've got a good mix of end user, customer, uh, with implementers as well. And, and so everyone really gets together and shares their experience and we're always looking for new speakers as well. So If anyone um, fancies getting in touch, please do. So that's a chapter meeting for a CRM UD in London then? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we, we, we've got the London chapter who we we meet in London and in Reading and alternate. But we've also got um, a Manchester chapter and a Cambridge chapter and a Birmingham chapter as well. So uh, lots of options there. But yeah, like I said, I'd really encourage anyone who uh, hasn't gone to one of those meetings to check it out. And do you have any place where where we can find you? Some online links or anything else that you would like to add here? Well, shameless plug, obviously go and subscribe to my YouTube channel um, and my, my blog as well. So you'll, you'll see me uh, doing regular posts and YouTube uh, uh, videos there as well. So it's one of my guilty pleasures. I do enjoy doing it. Yeah. And do you have a uh, Twitter handle, Scott? I do. Yes. It's at um, Scott Duro. Um, so fairly easy to remember. So yeah, follow me. And uh, yeah, I usually put stuff on, on Twitter if I've made a new video or, or blogged. Um, also LinkedIn, yeah, reach out and connect to me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep you all posted with uh, the latest updates to the Univite user interface when, uh, and I'll, I'll do a big post with a big fanfare when Advanced Find gets added. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your participation in Serum Rocks, uh, Scott Durrell. It's been my absolute pleasure and privilege. Thank you, Marcus. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can comment or subscribe to Serum Rocks. Just search for it in your favorite podcasting app or search for it online and you will find the links right there. See you next time on Serum Rocks.